Our series has been called Immersed. And it's the idea that we're moving beyond an introduction to Jesus, all right? We've been introduced to Jesus, but how many still want to go a little deeper? I just want to know a little bit more. I want him to impact my life just a little bit more. I'm where you're at. And so our previous messages that Jimmy preached so far was called Disciples Follow. They actually follow Jesus, not just acknowledge who Jesus is. Even Satan acknowledges who Jesus is. Then, it, then the next one was called Disciples Grow. Now today I want to talk about disciples impact. Somebody say impact. You hear it nearly every Sunday if you've been here for a while. We want you to know Jesus, then we want to discover purpose, and we want you to impact lives for eternity. I think it's okay to, to dissect that word a little bit, the word impact, meaning what exactly am I called to do? I don't know where your brain goes when you think about the word impact. Am I supposed to give all my money to the poor? Am I supposed to work in a soup kitchen? Am I supposed to just give people hugs at the mall? I don't, I don't know where your brain goes when, when you say, I want to make an impact. I would like to dissect that a little bit, and I want you to hear what God is calling us as a people to. How exactly can I impact others? What do people need? How can I break down walls of fear Maybe walls of suspicion in our culture, like, what are these crazy Christians all about? And maybe there's walls of social barriers, and you're going, I wish that I knew where to start. Y'all know me by now. I like to get really down and practical. Like, you have to start somewhere, right? So, so bear with me as I, as I go toward that. But I want to tell you a quick story. Um, Last weekend, I wasn't here. We were invited to a cabin with some good friends of ours. We were uh, two hours away in the boondocks somewhere, and <clears throat> we weren't lost, but it felt, it felt like it was pretty far out there. But anyway, we went to a cabin. We were just enjoying nature and, um, and having a really good time. We woke up. I think it was Sunday morning. We woke up, and we realized that something in nature had wrecked our the garbage cans and and it's a pretty big garbage can too and strewn all the garbage all over the yard and drug some of the garbage up the mountain and on and on and and we're talking to the cabin the neighboring cabin and and they decided it was a bear they were pretty sure it was a bear because raccoons probably couldn't knock that over as easily and so so there was just signs of bears around. And I, this, this did not cross my mind when I was traveling two hours into, into the mountains. I just didn't think about it. So guess what? Sunday was the day that we said, we're not going to go on the lake today, and, and we're going to go on a hike instead. And we had planned to go see these beautiful waterfalls. And I'm, I, I didn't want to incite fear in my family, but in, in my head, I'm going, why today? Of all days, there's bears out here. You know, why are we doing this, right? So as we're driving, driving toward um, this trailhead, I look at Alicia, and, and I'm like, do we have anything to protect us? You know, I, didn't even, I didn't know my friend was packing a pistol. He didn't even tell me. I didn't bring my pistol along. I'm like, I have no protection. I have no gun. I have no nothing. She said, I have a little, a little thing of mace that I sometimes carry. To him. I'm like, just bring it. <laughs> Maybe it'll blind him for a second. And we, we, I can run. I can still run. <laughs> Thank God I'm not that old. I can still run. That's all we had. <laughs> no, we didn't see any bears. We, we, we had a wonderful time. Uh, and we saw some beautiful waterfalls. But it was in the back of my mind. And you know, I was, th I was just thinking, I am, I am not equipped I am not packing the right amount of heat for this, right? If I, and by the way, the previous day, my friend took me out on the four-wheeler and showed me exactly where he had seen a mama bear and her cubs, and they would travel right close to the cabin. I'm, don't, don't show me that. You don't get between a mama bear and her cubs. 
And then we come out right there, you know, it's like, I don't, um, you can tell I'm not, I don't go outdoors that much anymore. Um, <laughs> all these thoughts are ruined. When, why am I telling that story? See, see, when we go out into the world, we want to make an impact, but oftentimes I don't think we know what we're carrying, and I don't think we know what to carry, and I don't think that we're packing the right kind of heat. Can I say that? You know, we're like, we, what's the big gun? What, what's the, what, what, what can I use? By the way, I have a real special guest here today. Um, this is Alicia's brother, Neil, and guess what? He, he's a pastor in all places, Big Sky, Montana. You like that? He's one of the pastors. So join us, Lifeway Welcome, for Pastor Neil Griner right here in the front row. <clears throat> He's an amazing dude. We, <laughs> we love you, Neil. You're, you're amazing. But, but Neil, it's just so fun to have him visiting us. But when Neil goes out into the woods, he told me this. He's either packing something or he's carrying bear mace. Now, now, now that's a can bigger, right? That's a little bigger than that. It's like that, right? So, so you're, you're, you're carrying the right amount of heat just in case. Now, there's grizzlies out there and a lot more than Pennsylvania. And so I was thinking about Neil when I was out there going, oh, when a bear comes across me, I'm just not prepared. I don't even know where to buy bear mace. But anyway, <clears throat> but anyway let, me, let me say this. I, I, believe that, I believe that if we want to make an impact and destroy the enemy's camp, our weapon of mass destruction is this thing called love. And it's the love of Jesus, right? Now, now I say that, I definitely need to unpack that because our culture says all kinds of things about love. If it feels good, do it. I do this in the name of love. Well, why'd you sleep with someone that wasn't your wife? Well, I love her. You know, all this kind of, well, well, do we love like culturally how we define love or do we love like Jesus loved? And I think love definitely needs definition nowadays, but I still contend that our most powerful weapon of mass destruction to the enemy's camp if we're going to steal people from, from hell, as it were, and bring them to heaven, our greatest weapon is love. Amen, somebody? First Corinthians 13, 1 to 3. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become like a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could even remove mountains, but I don't have love, I still have Nothing, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and persecuted, but I have not love, it still profits me absolutely. Somebody say nothing. First Corinthians 13, 8, love never fails. First Corinthians 13, 13. We'll park there for a bit. And now abide faith, hope, love. These three, come on, you've heard it, but the greatest of these is love. Your weapon, your greatest weapon that you carry because of Jesus is this thing called love. Have I convinced you? Okay, so, so let's just say love is the way to make a lasting impact on someone's life. I, just, true disciples make an impact. The weapon of mass destruction, the, the, the heat that I'm supposed to be packing is this thing called love. How many know that in our culture, that is not real defined? People love animals just as much as people. People love their coffee just as much as their mom. People, by the way, there's a new Starbucks coming to town. Did y'all hear that? Yeah. At first service, they cheered louder for Starbucks than they did for Jesus. But was, so y'all didn't, and so I really admire you. Uh, you are amazing. 
<laughs> I said, Jimmy, I don't know about this church. They're really cheering for Starbucks. <clears throat> I'm happy about it. Uh, you'll probably find me there sometimes. But, but love is not, not that well defined in our culture. Lo- we just love everything. We love our favorite kinds of ice cream. And of course we love people, but even that is, is sometimes strangely defined because love is mostly self-serving. If it feels good, do it, right? As followers of Jesus, listen, we signed up for a process that he talks about in Romans 8, where it clearly says, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, talking about Jesus, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And so why am I saying that? If we're going to walk in love, it ought to look like Jesus. That is our definition of love. He is love personified. And if it doesn't look like Jesus, then you should look at what you're doing and say, is this really love? Would Jesus love like this. Jesus said in John 13, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Wow, somebody. It's how we're defined and it's how we're to be identified. If you, if you want to identify a true follower of Jesus Christ, you look at how they love other people. 1 John 4.20 says, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. Ouch. Somebody say, ow. <laughs> for, who, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? Now, it's difficult. Sometimes it gets really difficult to stay walking in love. I mean, I'm, I'm where you're at. It's not always easy. So let's talk about that. How can I practically love others the way that Jesus loved? Notice, now I picked four, four things to talk about today. We can't talk about all 3,000 ways Jesus loved. We'd be here um, for a few weeks probably. And, but because he, I mean, he raised the dead. You know, he, he healed the sick. And, and for goodness sake, he died on the cross for, all the, for the sins of all mankind. And, and so you can talk about the ways that Jesus loved. But specifically, I believe the Holy Spirit gave me a few things to talk about today that really go countercultural to where we are today, right here in America, and even right here in this county. So, so I want you to listen to the, to the reasons that I picked these four things. The, the love like Jesus looks like this. And I picked it specifically because I believe the Holy Spirit's showing me. Because we just allow the culture of our day to define love. And, and, listen, we allow the culture of our day to make us shrink back and go, I don't know that I want to be that because it looks a little different than our culture, perhaps. And a lot of Christians shrink back from loving well, including myself, way too often. I have, so, so number one is this, Jesus kind of love acknowledges others. Can you say the word acknowledges? Now, now I was... I was, I was back to school shopping with Dominic a couple weeks ago. I can't believe Alicia um, trusted me to do this. Um, <clears throat> she must have been filled with the Holy Spirit or something. But, <laughs> but, but Dominic and I were at Park City. We went to that Kohl's because there's a lot of other stores down there I wanted to go to. We went to, to Kohl's in Park City, and, um, and, and we got everything on the list, and then, and then we got a, a lot more stuff on the, that, that wasn't on the list, right, Dominic? <clears throat> And we found, we found this place with the biggest, juiciest burgers that we could find. That wasn't on the list either, but we had a really great lunch. 
but uh, every, every, everybody's back to school shopping. There's a lot of people back to school shopping. You know, that was the day to do it, apparently. And there was these grandmas and moms back to school shopping, and their kids were trying on all these clothes. And I'm there. I'm there with the parents while their kids are trying on clothes. And you, you know what our culture's like, you know? This is exactly what we're doing when we're waiting. 30 people in the DMV all lined up in rows doing this. We're all doing pretty much absolutely nothing, mind-numbingly scrolling through just something to, you know, because we've convinced ourselves in this culture that nobody's worth acknowledging. Except, except in Coles, there was this one grandma who didn't seem to get that message. And, and, and her, her grandkids, the whole store knew she was shopping for her grandkids, I think. So... <laughs> You know, she's just talking about what he's trying on, and then she's talking about what she found over there on that sale rack, and she's showing, she's actually showing me what she's buying for her grandkids as if I care to know. And, and do you know how rude it is to interrupt someone who's doing nothing on their phone <laughs> in our culture? <laughs> Come on, somebody. <laughs> And I was just a little bit annoyed at first, and, but I was drawn. I was, I, after a while, my phone went right in my pocket. And I just allowed her to, she did most of the talking. I didn't even have to talk. She was just walking. And she's telling about these shirts she found for $8 and on and on and on. And I'm like, wow. You know, and I walked, I walked out of that place going, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, help me. We, we in our culture, there's something that says, the person next to you isn't worth acknowledging. Y'all don't have to be that annoying grandma. Actually, she was a loving grandma. I actually, I, she was amazing, actually. She could tell how much she loved her grandkids. If, if I were a kid, that's who I would want for a grandma. Seriously, she was just a really cool lady. And, and I just chatted with her for a bit. But most of us live with the, the cultural lie that says people don't want to be bothered because they're doing nothing on their cell phones. <laughs> <You know? clears throat> Jesus saw the individual. He didn't see a crowd. I think he recognized there was a crowd because it says that he did, but he picked out the individual <clears throat> and they were worth acknowledging. Jesus saw Zacchaeus when he was perched in a tree, one man out of a crowd, this little guy named Zacchaeus. You can read about it. I think it's in Luke 19. And and he climbs up on a tree where he could see Jesus. Some of you read this story. And he stops and he says, hey, dude, I'm coming to your house. At least that's what he'd say today if he were in our culture. <laughs> right? And Zacchaeus is surprised going, wow, me? Are you kidding me? There's hundreds of people here that Jesus could be talking to right now. Why is he acknowledging me? Sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? Jesus stopped to acknowledge the Samaritan woman at the well in John 4. And her life was so impacted by Jesus stopping to talk with her and acknowledge her and lead her into truth that that same day it says she brought nearly the entire village out to see him. That's how transformed her life was, just by that simple conversation. Jesus paused in a large crowd of people. Later on, it says, it says when one woman touched the hem of his garment because she wanted to be healed, as close as she could get was to touch the hem of her garment. That's as close as she could get. And she actually was healed, and Jesus stopped, acknowledged her, and said, and said something about, your faith has made you whole, or something like that. But it says that she was healed of a debilitating illness they called an issue of blood. But she was worth acknowledging in a crowd of hundreds of people. Now, now this is the one that floors me. I was thinking about it this week, that, that Jesus 
when he was being crucified, he was beaten to a pulp. It says, it says in the scripture, he was beaten beyond recognition. The crown of thorns beaten into his head. He had to, then he had to carry part of his cross all the way through the town, up this hill to a place called Golgotha, where he was crucified. Then they were putting nails in his hands. Actually, it was his wrists. Um, nails through his wrists. They were putting nails in his feet. Now, he's carrying the sins of all mankind, going, he's paying the sacrifice for their sins so that, so that everybody can come to him, past, present, and future, and get their sins forgiven. He's actually establishing in that moment a new covenant. Out with the old, that's completed. In with the new, mankind's sins can be forgiven. I acknowledge it. Do you think he had a lot on his mind that day? And there's this thief hanging beside him, mumbling on a cross, going, you know, when you come into your kingdom, please remember me, or something like that, you know. It's, it's actually pretty shallow. It doesn't even sound like he says much, like, please remember me when you come into your kingdom, you know. And Jesus stopped. And then, do you think that you'd be a little distracted that day? I, I, think, I think I would. And Jesus said, truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. And he could pause on even that day and say, this one guy, he was a thief. It doesn't say that he was wrongfully convicted or anything like that. He was a thief. And Jesus said, this person is worth acknowledging. Not only that, but bringing him with me because he's, there's something happening where he's declaring Jesus as the Lord and a king. Now, now listen, our culture, our culture produces what I call aloofness. And if you need a definition for the word aloofness, it's emotionally cool, distant, and uninterested. If we liken the kingdom of God to a restaurant, if you would just for a minute, let's just say the kingdom of God is like a restaurant. Guess who the host and hostess are? Maybe you and I, right? My, my daughter Alexis works at a restaurant, and she's the host and hostess. She puts that smile on her face whether she feels like it or not, right, Alexis? And, and she's like, welcome to the restaurant. Even if it's at 10 o'clock when they're starting to close and someone comes in, she still puts a smile on her face and says, welcome. <laughs> what can we get you, right? We are the host or the hostess to the kingdom of God, and when people see us, they go, wow, I feel invited in. How you interact with others will impact them whether you intend to or not. Now, now what I'm getting at is, are people worth engaging? Are they worth acknowledging? Are they worth loving? We can go day after day after day after day encountering a variety of people and not feel their worth like Jesus did. This, if this person was worth dying for, worth going to the cross for, worth going through all that agony, maybe we should say they're worth acknowledging. Amen, somebody? Okay, should we move on? Number two, Jesus' kind of love is approachable. Somebody say approachable. Jesus was so approachable, in fact, that a prostitute came and washed his feet. It says in the scripture a variety of places that sinners continually invited him to dine with them. Come to my house and hang out with us. And it also says this about Jesus, that children would swarm around him just to be with him. He was so approachable. Today, there's certain pockets of culture where neighbors hang out, talk over the fence. 
But I think that's a lot more rare than it used to be. Even, even when I was growing up, uh, I just think it's a lot more rare where you just are approachable even to strangers or even your own neighbors. But let me, let's just read a portion, a portion of Luke 7, starting at 36, because it talks about this woman who came in. It says, then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house, and he sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, somebody say sinner, yes, she was, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping and she began to wash his feet with her tears. Strange lady indeed. And, and, and she wiped them with the hair of her head. And then she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now she was getting a revelation of his death, burial, and resurrection is what was going on there, all right? And that's, with the, that's another sermon altogether. But, but she, was, she was acknowledging him as king and acknowledging him as Lord, and he was, he was hearing what, and, and watching what she was doing. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who's touching him, for she's a sinner. Now, now listen, they believed, the Pharisees believed, and some people still believe this today. They believed that if they hung out with sinners, that they would be impacted or tainted by the sin, and that the sin from that sinner would rub off on them by osmosis or I don't know. So, so they created these social barriers where if you're a sinner, a known sinner, you socialize over there, and we will socialize over here in this place called the synagogue, which was the known church back then, right? Jesus believed that if he hung out with sinners, the sinner would get impacted by his righteousness. What do you believe today? And I wonder if some of us still have a pharisaical belief system. Now, now, please apply wisdom to what I'm saying. If you're not prepared and you don't know who you are in Christ, you know, don't go witnessing at strip clubs and things like that unless you know who you are in Christ. If you believe that you're going to impact, Jesus didn't become a prostitute to reach out to prostitutes. When Jesus hung out with a sinner, they were changed. You know, I've heard many, many times where people go, oh, I hang out with sinners. I hang out with, you know, the unsaved all the time. Yeah, but it looks like they're making an impact on you. It's because you don't know who you are in Jesus. You don't know what kind of heat you're carrying. When you know what, what, what you're packing, then you make an impact on sin, and sin goes fleeing. That's the love of Jesus. Does that make sense? Jesus said to this woman, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he again said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. See, Jesus wasn't tainted by sin. He conquered sin, and he sent it on its way. Are we, are we unapproachable because we're afraid of sin and sinners? Are we afraid of being tainted by sin, or does sin go flying out the door when we start to engage? <laughs> so... Many years ago, over 20 years ago, I went on a mission trip to Haiti. I actually went there twice, but this was the first trip. I can't believe I was a glutton for punishment and went the second time, but I did. But this, this was the first, that was a joke, okay. <laughs> because I got deathly sick the first time when I was about to fly home, and I got even more sick the second time, probably because of the food and the water. But anyway, the first time I was there, um, 
I was with a group out of Jacksonville, Florida, a church, and we, we, we specifically spent time at, at, at this orphanage. And back then, I haven't been to Haiti in many, many years, but it was the poorest country in, in that hemisphere. And, and there's just poverty, a lot of poverty, and more poverty. And we went to some of the poorest, the poorest of the poor. And it, it, it'll, it, it'll just wreck your life. Those of you that have been on mission trips like that, I know there's a lot of you here that have. So... <clears throat> So specifically, we went to this orphanage, and uh, there's maybe maybe a hundred kids, and and the little kids like this didn't have any clothes on when we got there, and they said, oh, you know, later on I found out that you don't even wear clothes on little kids because they'll make them dirty, then they have to do more wash, and if they're potty training, they don't want to have to do more wash and things like that. So the little kids run around naked, and most people in that part didn't have any shoes anyway, and maybe didn't even own but maybe one pair of clothes to begin with. And and so I said, what are, what are we here for? And, and, and the pastor said, we're just here to love. We had a Haitian pastor with us as well. He said, they just need love. Right now, they got food coming that we actually brought suitcases full of clothes as well, but, but right now, we were just there to love. Just love on these kids. So this little toddler, he couldn't have been, he could have been more than this tall. I don't know what age he was, but he comes running up to me, and he's reaching for me. I, I'm a complete stranger, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm white, you know. I was a little shocked, like, he's not even afraid of me. He's, just, he's like, wow. So I, so I pick him up, and this, this little kid you know, he, he, he grabbed a hold of my shirt, and that's where he clung to me for the next two, three hours. The whole time we were there, I couldn't put him down. I, I could have, but I would have had to. When, when, when we left, we had to pry his little claw off of, my, off of my shirt. He hung on so tightly. And, and number one, he was naked. <laughs> Later on, they found, I guess, a pair of clothes about an hour into it. They're like, here, let's put some clothes on him. Then they gave him right back to me real quick. And, and he was filthy. He was filthy, dirty. I'm like, these kids probably didn't get a bath for a long, long time. And they may not have had the kind of running water that we have here. Actually, I don't think that they did because we had to bring all of our water along to drink. Um, And he was just filthy. Something happened to me in that moment where the longer I held him, I just forgot about the dirt. I, I didn't even think about the smell. That place smelled so badly. I'm not trying to be rude. It's just the reality of how these people live. We have it so, we're so, so well off. But, but I actually forgot about the filth. I forgot about the smell, and I just hugged him and hugged him and talked to him and played with him and hugged him again. See, Jesus' kind of love is so approachable that he can look right past your dirt, right past your filth, and the fact that you're naked when you think you're fully clothed, <laughs> hear me spiritually, please. <laughs> and he says, I draw you near. That's how approachable he is. Your sin, listen, your sin doesn't stop Jesus from approaching you. Your sin makes you turn and want to run the other direction. Come on, there's a message in here. It's guilt and shame because of how wretched you feel that sin separates, and then you draw away from God. Jesus says, I'm not afraid of your sin. Bring it in, brother. Bring it in. Bring it in close. That's how you get clean. That's how you get cleaned up, by drawing near. And then your dirt gets rubbed off on him. He can take it, right? And some of the girls in our group were just wiping these little kids' faces and stuff like that. These, these kids actually got cleaned up a little bit while we were there. Anyway, does that make sense? You getting the message? When we spend time with sinners, are we affected? And then we start doing what they do. 
But when Jesus spent time with sinners, do we have that kind of love where their lives are changed and we're not afraid of it? Can an unbeliever approach you to ask you about your faith? <gasps> don't, don't, don't question me. I like my kind of worship. Can, can a sinner ask you for prayer without feeling shamed or judged? How approachable are you? Can I? Let, let's say can I. Can I have a theological discussion without a self-righteous or a know-it-all or a dogmatic spirit? And I've been challenged. I've been challenged with that because when somebody comes at me, I'm like, let me tell you how it really is. <laughs> let, let's move on. Let me, let me just say this in Matthew 19. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Can a child approach you without fear? I use it as a barometer. If I become this scary dude that children are afraid to be around and don't come running up to me anymore, it's actually sort of a, a thermometer or, or something for me. It actually really is. Is Kids know. Kids discern the aura, if I can use that term. They discern what's around you and what you're carrying they, they discern what kind of love you're walking in. And so do adults, but kids really do. Shall we move on? Number three. Number three is this. You still okay out there? Number three is Jesus' kind of love speaks truth. Somebody say truth. Sometimes, sometimes the greatest gift that you can give to someone is the truth, even if it hurts a little bit. Um, John 8 in verse 31, Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and it's the truth that'll make you free. Can I just say this, and a few simple things, we're going to move on. Compromising truth is not love. If you have to compromise the truth, now, maybe sometimes you choose not to say something at that moment. Okay. But compromising the truth is not love. And you, if you hear this, you think about the culture that we're in that says, if you love me, then you will agree with me. I don't have to agree with you to love you. Jesus died for people on a cross that he didn't agree with. Does that make sense? Jesus confronted the Pharisees, calling them a brood of vipers, now, a lot of Christians love this kind of stuff because there's like a little bit of vengeance, especially on Facebook. Jesus didn't have all that. He said it to their face. <laughs> he called them a brood of vipers to their face. We all like hide behind our social media, a little bit of Twitter thing going on. Man, these things are, you just, people are crazy. You people are haters. You people are this, you people are that. And, and Christians can hate sometimes with the best of them. Can I just say that out loud? I just did. Sorry. I can't take it back. I said it out loud. All right. <laughs> Jesus kind of love spoke the truth and called them a brood of vipers to their face because that's exactly what they were. Get this. And then he submitted himself to crucifixion on a cross and died for the very people that he just called a brood of vipers. And I think it's good for us to think about that and check what kind of love that we're walking in before we so desperately want to speak our truth to that person. Do you love them? If not, maybe you should let someone who actually does love them speak the truth to them because that changes lives. The people that spoke truth to me that I remember and changed my life for the glory of God is the people who loved me. 
And the people who, who I wasn't sure about that, I might remember some stuff they said, but it really didn't make an impact on the life. I don't, it, you know, it's not in Proverbs, it should be, but it says, it says people, don't know how much, people don't care how much you know unless they know how much you care, right? You, you all hear that before? People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. But really, unless, unless you're packing the kind of love that Jesus walked in, then I would be careful about the truth that you're sharing as well. It's not necessarily what you're saying, it's how you're saying it, what you're delivering it with. You all catch that? Okay, number four, <clears throat> then we'll wrap this up. Number four is Jesus' kind of love offers them heaven. Matthew 6.10, Jesus said, pray like this. Pray that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. He said, ask the Father to send heaven to earth. And right here, right here in this little pocket, this little neck of the woods where you live, I think that some of the, some, the, the, one of the best ways that you can love someone is to pronounce super, something supernatural on their life. And... And I, I sometimes don't think that we know what we're packing. <laughs> we don't know what kind of heat we carry. See, see, we just don't know what kind of love we walk in. You're praying for someone isn't just, well, my prayers are making a difference. No, it's, you're actually calling for the big guns when you do that. You're, you're acknowledging in that moment, I've given what I can give. I care about you. Maybe I've given them some food. Maybe I've given them some shelter. I told them where to go from some other help. And but they need something supernatural beyond what I can give. See, way, way back when I was a production manager, this is at my first job, so that's going back quite a few years. I walked out in the warehouse one day, and, uh, and, and the warehouse manager was sitting at his desk. He was an elderly gentleman. I don't know how old, but he was, he was fading. Like he was almost, he was sitting at his desk, like swaying, like half passing out. And I thought maybe he was having a stroke or a heart attack, and he was unresponsive. And I'm like, Tom, Tom, are you okay, Tom? And he just, he wouldn't answer me. He was just like sort of rocking in his chair. He was sweating profusely. And for sure, he's having a heart attack or something. So, of course, like any good American citizen, I called, thank you, 911, right? Let's get somebody on site that can do more than me. And this moment, and that, and and if you know, I was I was told that I'm supposed to stand back here because number one, they don't want me to fall off the stage because we're still getting used to the stage, but also it messes with the speakers. But God forbid if I would topple off the stage and break my skull, you know, if you all start gathering around and praying for me, great, let's wipe up the blood, you know, stuff like that. That's wonderful. God bless you. But I hope somebody has the good sense to call in the big guns call in a helicopter and fly me to Hershey Medical so they can, you know, put my brain back in my skull and hopefully save my life. <laughs> I'm being extreme for the sake of the lesson, but, but you get it. When, when you pause and say, I've done all that I can do, our job as believers is to call 911. That's what prayer is. Jesus, we need supernatural help for this one. Peter, Peter and John were walking to the temple one day because that's where they hung out. And, and this guy's asking him for money because he was crippled, he was lame, and uh, you know, obviously he couldn't work for himself, so all he could do is beg and ask for money. Peter says to him, you read it in Acts 3, 6, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. I'm not out of resources, I know where the big guns are. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he did. And... 
Jesus did a lot of that. That's the kind of love Jesus walked in. But then so did Peter and John, and so did all the disciples, and the early church did the same thing like Jesus did. I don't have everything that you need. Um, James 5.16 says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Somebody say much. I don't think we know what we're packing. You know, there, there's... <clears throat> I love being the care pastor of Lifeway Church. It's just been such an honor to me. Can I say that? Can I, can I say that again? I love doing what I do. It is actually an honor and it's actually a joy. There's some days though, there's some days though where I get completely baffled and I get completely frustrated. Can I say that while still loving you? And I'm not going to talk about anybody here. I don't think, I don't think they're here, but we, we, actually, we actually do amazing amounts of connection throughout the week. It's not just me. It's all kinds of care teams. And, and we have community pastors, and we have youth leaders, and we have young adult leaders. And, and they just do a massive amount of connection to say, here's a need. Let's find who can meet that need. And, and if you look at our brochure rack, we know where to, where, you, where to get help for domestic violence. We know where you can get help for an addiction like drugs and alcohol and even, even, even porn addiction. We know where you can get food if you really are out of food. And we know we, we partner with all these agencies to get clothing and food and shelter. We know where the shelters are and all, the, all that kind of stuff. And, oh, no, no. and we should be doing that. And we're going to keep doing that, and we're going to keep getting better at doing that. Care is an awesome, awesome privilege, and, and God's going to keep bringing us the masses so that we can properly pastor and care for them. Amen? Okay, saying that, I get a, I get a call one day um, from, from this gentleman. He's like, hey, hey, Pastor Vern, I just got home from the hospital. Um, I had this major surgery, and um, I can't care for myself. Some friends dropped me off at home, but I can't move off the sofa. Um, I, told, I told all the doctors and all the nurses that they can let me go home because Lifeway Church would care for me. So what I need is uh, I need a round-the-clock nurse because I can't be alone tonight. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> you, yeah, I was speechless. I was like, oh, what? You know, I, I was just like, I don't, I don't know what to do now. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, so actually, actually, um, it, it was, it was a really good lesson, but. Actually, what happened is he went back to the hospital where he belonged. <laughs> Life Free Church will help you. We'll get you back where you belong. You belong in recovery so that you can actually, you know, take me. We're not, we're not a nursing station. I just was like, what? You kidding me right now? And I didn't know who to call. And I was like, ah, oh, help me, Jesus. Yet another story, yet another story. And I say this in all love because, because this is what's going to happen. Mo many, many, many of you are going are gonna to find stuff like this that leads you to a place. And when I get a call one day and, and some other guy says, hey, I'm moving and I need boxes. You do. Oh, well, thanks for sharing. I, what do I look like, the box man? I, I don't know. I don't know what you think I am. I was ordained as a pastor of Lifeway Church. And if you need boxes, call Vern. You know, I don't know. I don't know where that even comes from. I don't even know where you find boxes. Go to the grocery store. I don't, I don't, I, I was dumbfounded. Like, I don't even know, I don't even know where to tell you to go. It just, just stumped me. And, 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 I'm, and I'm frustrated. I'm in the old office down in Anvil and I'm walking down the hall going, you know, it's just sort of like, I'm the pastor of care. I should, I should be equipped to know where to tell these people to go. And I don't, I don't know what, I'm sort of reaching this moment of frustration. And, and the Holy Spirit stops me right there in the hallway and he says, Vern, you can't, you can't care for everyone. And, and provide for all of their needs. Only I can do that. That sounds so simple, but I really needed to hear that. Humans, human beings, cannot provide everything that another human being needs. 
I don't care if you're a great wife or a great husband. I don't care if you're a social worker or a pastor. I don't care if you work in the service industry. You still can't provide everything that a human being needs because every human being comes to a place where they need something outside of what humans can provide. And it's supernatural help. And if the Holy Spirit wants to send an angel, great. If the Holy Spirit wants to provide supernaturally for them in some other way, we need to be those kind of people that know when to dial 911 and say, I've done everything I can do. It's time for me to get out the way and bring in the big guns. Amen. True followers of Jesus will make a lasting impact on other people. Now, let me say this. True disciples of Christ are learning how to wield the greatest weapon of all, and it's loving like Jesus loved in some of these ways in order to destroy the enemy's camp. Can you stand with me today? Y'all good out there? All right, all right. Well, let's just do a quick little recap. Loving like Jesus includes acknowledging others. That's countercultural to a lot of uh, places we go today. It's, it's being approachable in the way that Jesus was. It can be tough to do in our current day culture. Speaking the truth when it really matters is one of the most loving things that you can do. And that's often countercultural. And we're called to offer people heaven, a touch of heaven because you're carrying it within you. His name is Jesus Christ and he's, he lives within you in the form of the Holy Spirit. You're actually carrying heaven inside of you. Sometimes, sometimes we just need to be reminded of that so that we believe it and can offer something outside of ourselves. Does that make sense? Well, the greatest act of love that Jesus demonstrated was, was when he when he submitted himself to that crucifixion on a cross, he, he took our sins and he said, I'm gonna die for the sins of all mankind, past, present, and future, so that, so that you guys and your children's children's children, generations to come, can cry out to me and say, I wanna follow you, Jesus, I wanna make you Lord of my life. I need forgiveness for my sins. It's still available today, over 2,000 years later. It's still as re relevant as it was back then, amen? And, and today, we're at that same place. We have no hope except to follow Jesus and allow, allow his life to, to flow through us. We'll quickly come to the end of ourselves if we don't go, it and go, go that direction, amen? If there's anybody here today, we, we do this every Sunday, but we never want a Sunday to go by without someone being allowed to make a decision for Christ, if that's where you are today. Some of you are here today going, I've heard a lot of good stuff, I've heard some great messages at Lifeway and maybe other churches, but I've never personally made a decision to follow Jesus or to make him Lord of my life. If that's you, this is your moment today. Don't leave here without making that decision. We do it very simple here at Lifeway. All we do is ask you to raise your hand. We don't bring you up front here. We're not gonna really even give you anything, but we are gonna pray with you. We'll lead you through a prayer. That is, that is what we do. So you can begin loving Jesus. You can begin serving him and you can begin declaring him Lord of your life. So all eyes closed just for a moment. Bow your heads just for a moment and pray. All of you that know Jesus, pray just a little bit right now. Those of you that don't, you're saying, I need to make a decision or I need to come back to Christ. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand high in the air so that I can see you. We're just going to pray with you. That's it. Shoot your hand real high in the air. I want to pray with you. We're all going to pray together with you. Amen. 
Amen. We don't want anybody to leave here without knowing Jesus and making a decision for him. If you haven't yet done it, now's your chance. Amen. Ha <laughs> ha, so good. All right, let's all pray together, shall we? Say, dear Jesus, I acknowledge you as Lord. I declare you as my Savior. I repent of all my sins, and I receive your forgiveness. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit, and fill me with your love, so that I can demonstrate love the way that you did. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, come on. Let's welcome those that might have said yes to Jesus. So good.